and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan McVibber. With me, as always, the incomparable Stephen White. Stephen, have you recovered from the draft? I'm still in the process. You know, I'm still in the process. <laughs> Plus, of course, I'm still watching film because I, I still have to be familiar with guys who I didn't, you know, get to necessarily break down. So, right, um, it's still kind of a, you know. <laughs> uh, little bit of decompressing, a little bit of still doing it. So it's a lot, and like you know, this year, I know this was one of those years where it seemed like it was hard. You know, there were so many players who really felt like you could have they could have gone anywhere from you know the second pick to the forty second pick. You know, well, you know, uh, to that point. Um, I keep seeing this thing come up about the 49ers, right? And nobody seems to, like, question it. But uh-huh. they keep saying that uh, they were a little worried that uh, whichever team they traded down, traded picks with, would get Solomon Thomas. Mm-hmm. But they were prepared to get Foster at three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody seems to be freaking out that, you know, that I'm assuming they're talking about Ruben Foster. Yeah. They eventually got, you know, later on in the draft. Nobody seems to be pointing out that they were prepared to take him at three, even though just about everybody else was about to let him fall out of the first round. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with that shoulder injury, too. So if that shoulder is, in fact, you know, a big deal, I don't know. I just, you know, that thing could have went really, really crazy if they were prepared to take him at three. Yeah. When it, like I said, it seems like all the rest of the teams were ready to let him fall out of the first round. Yeah. Well, and then that you saw that report yesterday. That's just the, there are some reports coming out that the shoulders, in the, it's the surgery that he had, quote unquote, didn't take, meaning that it didn't fix the problem. Now, whether right. that holds so, true or not, we'll see. But And they say, you know, it was split, you know, as far as which teams thought that um, the shoulder would be fine or not. But like I said, what did they get him at, like, 28 or something? 31st. I don't, so, see, there you go. <laughs> so even the teams that maybe thought his shoulder were okay were, were prepared to let him fall out of the first round. But I keep seeing this quote where they were prepared to take him at number three overall. Yeah. yeah. Had, you know, so just imagine if the Bears had done probably what they should have done and taken Solomon Thomas instead of Trubisky. Uh, and then you, you got uh, the 49ers taking Ruben Foster at three. I think the whole perception of that organization, as well as uh, John Lynch's first draft, yeah. would be changed dramatically had that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. The Just the little what, – what a difference that makes in the narrative. Oh, man, it just changes the whole thing because – you, you know, you, you can pretty much bet your ass that if Lynch had taken Foster at three, all of these stories about his shoulders would have immediately came out mm-hmm. and everybody would have been questioning, you know, the 49ers, uh, 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 what you, the rehab staff or whatever, uh, yeah. the doctors and stuff. Yeah. And so there would be, you know, now as it stands now, it looks like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Lynch is some kind of savant, you know what I mean? Like he <laughs> looked like he's just a genius his first yeah. time out. Like he fleeced the bears and still got the person he wanted, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And still got value taking Foster later. But if they didn't take him, Foster at three. Like I said, I think this whole thing really could have changed uh, just on that one pick. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because like the whole like, man, this guy is first year, his first ever general manager job, rookie general manager. He comes in, he trades the second pick for the third pick and scores all these extra picks in the draft with this and he moves around and gets the players he wants. But it's like, a, well, I mean, I think the I mean, the Bears, you, you got to give the Bears some credit for that, too, because it's, it's just like, you know, the Bears made this trade that they didn't have to make. And what do you you know, what's San Francisco going to do? Say, no, we don't we don't want extra picks to move down one spot in the draft. <laughs> No, I will not let you give me twenty thousand dollars for my used nineteen eighty one Dodge Dart. Yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> it's like the whole, like a big a big you got to give some credit to the Bears just being a total fucking disaster. Especially when the head coach didn't even know they were doing it. Yeah. So, you know, they, you, you might have at least want to give the guy a heads up. Like, maybe you didn't have to ask his permission, but you could have been like, hey, oh, by the way, we we're thinking about doing this. Yeah. But, man, what does that say about their organization? And then, like, you know, you, they, they didn't have to make that trade. They still could have gotten their guy at number three. Right. This, yeah. This, this, I don't I mean, know. <laughs> And that's I mean, they were just sure that somebody else was going to trade with the 49ers? I guess so. And I, I mean, there was that rumor a few days before the draft that the 49ers were considering Trubisky, which you only had to go back 48 hours to see that that was the worst, maybe the worst damn smokescreen in the history of draft smokescreens. Because like 48 hours earlier, the 49ers brass was like, oh, we, we, you know, we're not, we're happy with the quarterbacks we have. We don't think that, you know, we're not going to. They basically debunked themselves before they put that smoke screen out there about the possibility of taking Trubisky. And then you put the Cousins thing in, the, in there. It's like, well, everyone knows. It's like this team is kind of waiting for Kirk Cousins to hit free agency after this season, too. Go Bears. The Bears of the suit. Well, who was it? Was it <laughs> the Chicago Browns? <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, we'll see how it works out. And, and, and truthfully, like I said, uh, since the draft has been over, I've been going back and looking at some other guys. And, and I don't break down quarterbacks, but um, um, I had somebody invite me on their program, and so they want to talk quarterback, so I figured I'd do it mm-hmm. just to get, to get a feel for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Trubisky looks pretty good. You yeah. know, the games I saw him uh, – Look, just it, it looked so easy. Yeah, um, I know he didn't hasn't played a lot. This, I guess this is his first year starting, and there's not a good track record of, of that usually when a guy was only started for a season. But from what I can see of him, he looked like the real deal. I yeah. mean, he made some mistakes like any other quarterback, but he thought he had real good mechanics. Thought he, you know, uh, went through his progressions and 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 really delivered the football. I thought what he did most impressively to me was. He made the easy throws look easy. Yeah. You know, there's so many guys that can make the fantastic throw, but the easy throws they have problems with. Yeah. This guy, you know, if it, if it's a hard throw, maybe he wouldn't always be on it, but the easy throws he's supposed to make, he made them. Yeah. And so um, there's a chance that he could be, you know, the, 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 the future of the franchise is just, uh, but it's a chance. You know, mm-hmm. it, I don't think that, by any means, this, he's a sure thing, especially when, you know, I, I said this on Twitter the other day, most of us have been really wrong about at least a few quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the last few years because that's just how it goes. You know, yeah. some guys you're just sure are going to be great and they falter, and some guys you, you just don't think are going to be very good at all. Yeah. And they end up, you know, exceeding expectations. Now, uh, you know, E.J. Manning was probably the only guy we all were pretty sure – Shouldn't have been a first round pick. But other than that, you know, we've all got at least one guy that we can say, yeah, I got a big miss on that. So you just never know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like he was enough of a sure thing to give up all that just to move up a spot when you would have still been able to get him. Yeah. More than likely. I mean, shit. <laughs> and not getting him and getting Solomon Thomas to me, hey, I don't think there's a downside to that. No, no, not at all. And then it's funny, too, because, like, you wonder now, it's like, ideally, it's like, all right, well, they signed Mike Glenn into a, you know, pretty sizable contract in the offseason. And so, like, you could, you know, if they're smart, it's like you can just roll with Glennon this season and give Trubisky, you know, a year to adjust and, and, and hold the clipboard and learn the ins and outs of the pros, you know, be the backup for a year, the understudy. But I just like I don't entirely trust this organization to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that seems like a smart move, but you know, it it didn't seem <laughs> you didn't you know you go back and look at this trade. It's like, well, but do I trust them to make the smart move? I mean, put it this way: the head coach and GM weren't even on the same page about this. Yeah. So how can we expect them to be on the same page about how to handle the situation? Yeah. You know, because look, if you're uh 
who usually gets fired by whom, right? Yeah. The head coach usually gets fired by the GM. Yeah. So y'all can have divergent uh, 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 visions right now because if you're the head coach, you want to win right now. So you can't give the GM a reason to fire you. Mm-hmm. The GM wants the franchise to be good for the next decade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, 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 if you're Fox um, and you see that this kid gives you the better options, even if the GM wants you to keep him on the bench for a year, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're already losing. You know what I'm saying? If it's looking like this season's going to go away that might get you fired, hey, man, if I'm John Fox, I'm, 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 I'm pulling the ripcord. Let's oh, see what yeah. we can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you're the team, you're going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you, that's why you shouldn't have a dysfunctional relationship between your GM and head coach like that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean... I went. I guess it wasn't a huge surprise, but you should all three quarterbacks in the first round teams traded up to get those guys. So you get Trubisky at two with the Bears, and then the Chiefs traded up all the way to the tenth spot to get Patrick Mahomes, the Texas Tech kid, Air Raid, and then Houston trades up to which one? Twelve. They get that Browns pick. Man, Houston and the Browns are just like inextricably linked in draft trades forever now or at least for a while but so houston trades up gets that browns 12th pick and takes deshaun watson who i think that might be like out if you had to rank those three because this is the internet you got to rank everything i might have to put the deshaun watson one at number one i think that's probably like that seems like a good fit you bring deshaun watson there you got a good team already in place you get a rookie quarterback and he's got new copkins to throw to hey that's not a bad that's not a bad little guy to have on your side you know we'll see you know who else could have done you know who else would have been a really good fit in uh houston is colin kaepernick but you know we know how that goes right right i mean i, I think you, you make good points uh and certainly i've gone back and watched the show watson i think he's certainly an upgrade from from brock osweiler <laughs> and can do a lot of the things that you know we saw bill o'brien trying to do with brock osweiler mm-hmm and so, uh, and doing better, and and they they have a ton of of uh, playmakers in Houston now. Uh, you know, they, they got the two wide receivers last year, the, the converted quarterback from Ohio State, and the the, the fast kid, uh, Will, whatever, um, <laughs> whose hands I didn't like, but still a good player. Oh yeah, so yeah. Sure, Deshaun Watson is coming into a situation where he probably won't be called on to do a lot because Bill O'Brien likes to run the football a lot anyway. Uh, you yeah. got that fantastic defense with potentially J.J. Uh, Watt coming back. He won't be called on to do a whole lot. And, and I think that uh, of most of these quarterbacks that I've watched so far, he's the most polished of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he'll have to learn some different footwork when he gets uh, to the pros, but what he showed, at least to me, was that whatever footwork he he learned, he's consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And so he was, you know, he just looked crisp in everything he did. But I gotta say this, um, to me, <laughs> going back and watching these guys play, um, the guy who who might end up actually being the jewel is Mahomes. Yeah, uh, I I know that the scout the. You know, draft Twitter is is kind of split on the kid, <laughs> and, and and deservedly so. Yeah, like you can definitely see um, some of the downside. He throws some balls that look to be uh, questionable decisions. Um, you know, he, he doesn't always uh, play with really good mechanics. Doesn't always have his feet under him when he throws the football. Mm-hmm. But but his best. Is better than any college quarterback I've seen in years. Uh-huh. Because this guy, when when he when basically when his mechanics are good and he's got a pocket where he's he's not being pressured, um, I mean his accuracy is astounding sometimes. Mm-hmm. You, you see him throw the football and you're like, there's no way he's gonna Oh shit, what how? 
How did he do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, I'm, I'm seeing him making these throws, and he's made me say, oh, shit, like five times in Oklahoma State, <laughs> outside of the Oklahoma game. And then I watched the Kansas State game, and, I, you know, here comes more old shits. And I'm just like, how in the hell did he complete that ball? Did there seem to be enough room to fit it in, right? But he puts it, like, when he's good, when he's when everything is right, he puts that damn ball with pinpoint accuracy. His placement is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and really, when I went back and watched, I, w- I watched the Oklahoma game again, what I noticed was that some of the plays that I thought were bad decisions were really just bad throws. Because I've seen him make those kinds of throws, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that in this particular situation, his mechanics were off, or his feet weren't under him, or he was drifting around the pocket, or somebody was, uh, 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 you know, pressuring him. Mm-hmm. When those things happen, you know, he's not able to make the same throws. Uh huh. But it wasn't a bad decision because you know, for that guy, he can make that throw. Yeah. Right. It just didn't look that way because for whatever reason, all of a sudden he's off target. And it looks like a bad throw, and maybe it's intercepted. So. Where is he going? He's going to the Chiefs with Andy Reid, and what's Andy Reid going to do? He's going to stress mechanics. Yeah, he doesn't have to play right away. We know Alex Smith is a guy who's uh, very durable for one, and a guy who uh, Andy Reid trusts. Yeah, so he's going. He's going to get his red shirt year, barring you know something crazy happening. But you know, <laughs> in in a year from now, with the roster that. Um, the Chiefs have now. They keep adding speed, right? Yeah. Uh, they got the kid last year who um, half the time was open deep, and, and uh, Alex Smith can't get the ball to him. Yeah. What's the one thing you say about the Chiefs' offense? Like it'd be a killer offense if you could push the ball down the field. Yeah. You got the great tight end, right? You got some speed outside. Um, Definitely got some, some speed and ability uh, to catch the football and run out the catch out of the backfield, even with Jamal Charles gone. Mm-hmm. You just need a guy who can push the football down the field. And when I say Mahomes drops it in a bucket on his deep balls, I, I've almost never seen anything like this. Like, yeah. you know, deep balls, everybody likes to throw the fade routes now, right? And when you got one of those guys like Mike Williams or Corey Davis who can go up and get it, they aren't really hard throws. Mahomes didn't really have a guy like that. So he had to, like, be pinpoint with his accuracy. He had to throw it, you know, where the DB couldn't get to it over the, the, the receiver's outside shoulder. And I'm telling you, some of these throws were just amazing. Yeah. I didn't believe that they were actually catches. And, you know, like, I was like, there's no way that receiver caught their football until you look at the replay and the ball's in the perfect place for it. Yeah. So you, you're talking about a guy who's more athletic than he tests. You know, it's pretty good as far as avoiding the rush. Um, can make some yards for you too. He's not going to, you know, run the read option or anything like that. But it's good size and can push the ball down the field. And he's going to get his red shirt year. Pat Mahomes could be a Pro Bowl type guy a year from now. Yeah. Like, like well, well, I say two years from now. He'll, he'll be getting ready. He could be getting ready to start going in the next spring. And that year, man, that dude could just light people's ass up. Because mm-hmm. once again, he would be going to a <laughs> where got a good defense, got a good running game, and got a really good offensive minded head coach. Yeah, yeah. And, and and not even just Reed, but like Childress is the offensive coordinator. And Chris Alt, they have Chris Alt on staff like as a part-time consultant. And Chris Alt was – Kaepernick's coach at Nevada and then was also Kaepernick's was you know came to the 49ers during those early years when Kaepernick was there and had had success under Harbaugh there so that's you know that's it's just there's a lot to like about that move all around I mean like this is really like if you're gonna it's that Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre model it's like if you're gonna draft and develop a quarterback this is really a good way to do it oh absolutely and you know like I said this is a kid that um, when when he's his best, he's amazing. Yeah. So all you have to really do is, you know, uh, uh, clamp down on his mechanics 
And the perfect time to do that is when he's not having to go out there and play. Yeah. Because the, the way guys, young quarterbacks get bad mechanics is they have, they throw them out there and now they're getting rushed and they're, yeah. and, and they're, their mechanics get out of whack and they never get back in whack because you're always getting rushed. Yeah. You know, it's like they're revolving the cycle. Oh, well, okay, we, we'll, we'll go through the whole week, get your mechanics right and practice and then go out there in the games and you're getting rushed again and mm-hmm. they go right back out of the window. Yeah. Yeah, because they stick them out. They stick those guys out there in usually the wrong order. It's like they get the quarterback, and then like, well, we'll just let Greg Robinson protect your blind side. Don't worry about it. But that's you know that's really not the best way to groom a young quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. You definitely want the offensive line first if you can help it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I tell you a pick that surprised me. Um, but you know, I think it's one of those that's going to end up just like. It may be like a great landing spot, and I think you that's a guy that's set him up for a lot of success in his career. But Malik McDowell to the Seahawks in this early in the second round, yeah. You know, I, I felt like he was a first round pick talent wise. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he would have rather gone to in the first round, sure. But with the way things are set up now, he couldn't have gone to a better team. Shit, I wanted him to go to the Cowboys for, for selfish reasons. Yeah. Um, but they kind of got the same guy in Taco Charlton mm-hmm. to me, going back and watch his film. They're both real tall, big. It's just that Taco Charlton got to actually play out on the edge. Yeah. Whereas you had McDowell in there trying to beat up on a, a center and, and guard <laughs> half. Yeah. In a two eyes. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as just the perfect landing spot, I mean, now, first of all, he can go ahead and get reps, like backup reps or rotational reps early on mm. because he's so interchangeable. You know, he can be just like Michael Bennett. So when Michael Bennett gets a, needs a blow, he can go right in and do a, the exact same thing. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually, you know, some some's going to have to give, somebody's going to have to leave, and he, he'll get more of those uh, rotation minutes. And I, I just think, man, aside from a 3-4, there's a 4-3 defense that I think he's more perfect for than the one uh, in Seattle. Yeah. And they know how to coach him up, you know, right? And he's in a situation where he's going to be around a group of guys who really get after it. So, you know, I didn't see those, uh, 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 what do you call it, effort concerns mm-hmm. that some people evidently had about him. But he'll be in a, a a room, a defensive line room around guys who really get after it. So I don't think they're going to let up on him or let him lower that standard. When you see Michael Bennett giving it his all and he's getting double teamed and guys trying to cut him and you know clip him and all that, you can't come in and be slacking at all. Yeah. So I, I just I don't think there was a perfect, more perfect place for him to land. Yeah. Um, you know, another pick that I thought, you know, kind of a, a guy we're familiar with, we talked about here and you broke him down, was Barnett landing with the Eagles. I oh, like yeah. that pick. Yeah, it was, I think that was a perfect uh, pick for the player and for the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, 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 you, you got, uh, what's his name in the middle? Fletcher Cox. Um, Fletcher Cox who's now playing three techniques. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know from playing in a, you know, a similar style 4-3 defense is you have to have defensive ends that can really get up the field and be a threat to the mm-hmm. offensive tackles to open things up inside for a guy like Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, those offensive tackles are kind of, they're going to kind of use their inside arm to help out the guard and then they and then they'll just adjust to the defensive end later on. Yeah. And so you know, Barnett is not only only going to be a good fit for himself personally because I thought he he definitely should go somewhere where he's able to get up field and not have to you know two gap and stuff like that. I don't think he's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that likes to play on the edge anyway. So he went to the right kind of defense, but for for that defense, he's now going to open things up for Fletcher Cox a lot of times too. And, and, and allow Fletcher Cox a lot more flexibility inside. And that is going to be curtains for a lot of guards in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's really, like, that's a good front seven they've got, or at least defensive line group they've got in Philly now. I mean, they 
I mean, it, it's a hell of a rotation. I mean, it's just that's a it's a it should be an asset for him next year, to say the least. Oh yeah, I, like I said, I I just think that that's a uh, that was a marriage made in heaven for, for both the player and the team. Um, the other guy they had fifty five. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, for the Eagles, there's more of that. Hmm? Was it Brandon Graham or no. Barwin? No. Um, hold on. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brandon Graham. Okay. He's more of he's a smaller guy, but he's more of a power guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if he's rushing on the same side as Fletcher Cox. He might be able to beat his guy, but he's not opening up a lot of things for Fletcher Cox inside because he's actually, you know, contracting the pocket with his power moves on offensive tackle. And that's why I say, like, with, you know, uh, Brandon Graham, you know, played his ass off last year. Um, but I think that Barnett being on the same side as Cox is going to allow Cox to get a, a lot more freedom inside than it would, you know, being on the side, same side as Graham. Even though Graham is a very good one-on-one uh, uh, pass rusher, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, it'll be, it's a good fit though, all around. I like it. I'm, I'm anxious to see that. It'll be that'll be a more fun division this year. I mean, I think a little bit more competitive because Washington didn't do have a bad draft either. I mean, they got Jonathan Allen. I mean, I guess <laughs> thanks to the draft board that was set by the personnel guy, they ran out. But <laughs> sort of a, a gross footnote to the whole thing for Washington. But you know, they got some good players out of it, and I, you know, I think the Jonathan Allen's a great one to have there if he can stay healthy. But hmm, we'll see how that goes. What do you think about? Oh, yeah. oh go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, uh, you know, the one thing that they've needed uh, in, in Washington is to have that uh, five technique that's a really good pass rusher, too. They've had yeah. some decent guys, but I think Jonathan Allen is a definite upgrade. And once again, once you have that inside presence, then now that's going to help with, with some of their outside linebackers rushing, too. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, which is what they've needed. Then they got the other kid from uh, Alabama, too, right? Uh yeah, uh, Ryan Anderson. Anderson, right. And so he, he's, you know, he can do a whole lot of things, but one of the things he definitely can do is be an edge rusher too. So mm-hmm. those two guys, I think, right away uh, kind of help with their pass rush and watch them, which is something that they needed to address uh, heading into the next season. Yeah, and they got the in the second round too, or third round, they also got the cornerback from UCLA who had my – well, not my favorite name out of anybody in the draft, but a pretty good one, nevertheless. Fabian Moreau, the cornerback. Which is another area <laughs> where they needed some help. Right, definitely. I, mean, I still think Taco Charlton takes the cake for names of the draft. Although we had a Raekwon this year and a Buddha. Yeah, it was, good, it was a good year for names of the draft this year, that's for sure. It was. um you know another pick i really like on the offensive side of things and i like i I think people kind of looked at the titans taking Corey davis the wide receiver out of michigan state with the fifth pick a little suspect just because it was the fifth pick and i understand that because like the titans obviously that's you know wide receiver is not the only area of need they have but i think for what they're trying to do on offense I really like that pick. I mean, you take the value of the pick or whatever out of it and just take it, you know, consider the man himself and the team. I like it because, I mean, you think about how good the Titans were in the red zone, like number one in the league, and they have a great young quarterback in Mariota, but they just, they struggle to move the ball between the 20s. And and now I think that becomes a lot easier for them with a guy like Corey Davis. And they have... And it's not just you – know, Davis gives them – should give them a good Brandon Marshall, like, number one receiver. And then you have kind of those compliment. You have Rashad, Rashad Matthews in there. I mean, you have Taj Sharp in there. He's kind of a slot-type guy. I mean, I, I think that's an interesting fit. I'm interested to see that offense. I mean, it was already a pretty enjoyable off. And I can't believe I'm saying the Titans were enjoyable to watch. But that's how the world has changed in these last few years. But 
I liked it. No, I thought that was a perfect pick. As a matter of fact, I I, I really can't understand anybody who uh, would kind of not not get why it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corey Davis is something that that you know Mariota hasn't had since he's been a pro. Yeah, he's he's an outside guy who can make his own separation. Yeah, and is a beast after the catch. Right, he can he can run by guys. He can you know get them out of his way. Yeah, but you can't really guard Corey Davis with one guy. Mm-mm. You might have a few drops here and there, but you talking about how much strain it's going to take off of Delaney Walker now? Mm-hmm. Because Delaney Walker basically has been been double teamed consistently. Yeah, the last few years he still gets gets his, and he still balls out amazingly enough. But they haven't had really any help on the outside. Yeah. And now you got a bona fide star, a guy who can take a you know a, a little five yard slant to the house, and who perfectly fits that offense. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be a run first offense, and he can block. He's a big guy, six three, I think. Um, he looks like he loves. He's going to get block. bigger. Right, he, loves, he loves the black and and got a good frame. He's probably going to put on a little bit more weight. And like I said, I mean, you talk about those RPOs. He can take an RPO to the house easily. Oh yeah, easily. And so everything about Corey Davis screens, he's perfect for this team. Mm-hmm. Like I said in the breakdown, yes, he's going to have some drops. You will take that for the things he'll be able to do for your offense because now you have a guy that you don't have to rely on, like uh, you know him catching a fade route every time. That's the only way you can score a touchdown mm-hmm. through the air. You can do the same thing you do with Delaney Walker as far as you know, let him catch a, a, a crossing route or something short and let him run after the catch. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing you can do with Corey Davis itself. Corey Davis is even more explosive than Delaney Walker. Yeah. So, I mean, that changes the whole complexion of what you have to do as a defense coordinator against that team. Yeah. And you still have to worry about, after all that, after you worry about uh, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry running down your, your front seven, and yeah. then Delaney Walker roasting your safety, and Corey Davis roasting your corners. Now you still got to worry about Marcus Mariota taking off on third and five and running for twenty yards. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just telling you. Now, there's you know you have the injury concern because he had the ankle surgery, what mm-hmm. have you. But he's already back running. He's already posting videos of himself cutting <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, this dude, man, he he's a beast. And he's one of those guys that I talk about that, you know, he's going to be hard to bust, you know, unless it's something off the off the field why he ends up busting because he can do so many different things. Mm-hmm. He's not just a guy who's fast. He's not just a guy who can run routes. He can do it all. Yeah. And so you can give him the five-yard slants, the, the little swing routes or whatever, the, the smoke screens, and he can catch those, or you can send him down the field on skinny posts. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to with him, and he's going to excel at it. So you know the defense; they've already kind of upgraded a little bit in the free agency. They brought in Jonathan Cyprian. You know, I think they brought in uh, Logan Ryan. Yeah, and they already were pretty good up front with uh, uh, Darrell Casey and Brian and, 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 uh, Arapo. Mm-hmm. So the defense already kind of had their makeover. Now you get Marcus Mariota. Some more weapons, which I'm always in favor of getting a young quarterback more weapons. Yeah. The same thing that the Bucks tried to do, you know, with with, with uh, uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah, getting OJ Howell yeah. for for Jameis Winston. So I, I think this was the perfect. I wouldn't give a shit if it was the third pick in the draft. <laughs> this is a game changing pick for them. Yeah, and as long as everybody stays healthy, you should see a much better offense uh, from the from the Titans this year. Yeah. Yeah, and then the two, you know, because, <coughs> excuse me, they had two first-round picks this year. Thank you. Uh, thanks to the Rams and the wanting to get Jared Goff last year. But they uh, they had two first-round picks, and they used the second one on Adoree Jackson, the cornerback out of USC. So they still came back and got, you know, one of the drafts. But it was a huge draft for cornerbacks and safeties. But they still came back and got one of the better cornerbacks in the draft with their other first-round pick. So, I mean, that's a good haul for the Titans. I think so. You know, obviously it's still just on paper. You have yeah. to sit on film. But yeah. to me, I thought they, they really had a, a good, at least a good first round of their draft. Yeah. 
I don't want to get like I remember going back last August and we were kind of previewing the season and it sure looked like on this is the, the on paper caveat, which is huge when it comes to pro football prognostication, a huge caveat on paper. The AFC South, I'm going to say this again at the risk of knowing that I probably I could very well be eating my words later on. The AFC South could be some entertaining football to watch. You would think so. You know, <laughs> hopefully we won't have another crazy you know, injury like J.J. Watt gets hurt right yeah. away. And or Andrew Luck. Last Gus very Bradley. long. <laughs> right. You know, and we got new blood, a little bit of it in a way, yeah. in Jacksonville. So we'll see how that goes. And then you got the coach who seemed to have actually started addressing some of the needs for a change. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Shocking as And then you got the Titans, who I really think, you know, they, they got the offensive line now. They got the quarterback. Now they got the big-time wide receiver. They already had the, the big-time tight end. You know, mm-hmm. look, man, I, I would Again, like you said, it's on paper, so you got to think about it. And Mariota is still coming off an injury, but, man, it's a lot of reason to believe that, you know, the Titans can really make a huge leap forward this year. Yeah, really is. If Mariota can stay healthy. Yeah, it's just, it's once you, it takes about five years to do it, but once you fumigate the Jeff Fisher out of your organization, you can really turn things around. But you got to give yourself a good five years. Put the tent over it. You got to put the tent over it, too. <laughs> Which, for some reason, reminded me of that in Joe Dirt, where he winds up sleeping in a fumigation. <laughs> I don't know why I got down that side. <laughs> That's a great movie, by the way. I love oh, Joe Dirt. One of the best. One of the best. I love it. <laughs> what other picks out of the draft? What, what you when you looked at the watched the draft and came back the next day and read the picks? What else? Who else stood out to you in this one? Um, hmm. um, I actually love the Fournette pick um, for the yeah. Panthers. Because it, it kind of mirrors what I was talking about last year. Um, I, I was talking about them getting the running back out of Alabama last year. They ended up going to the Titans. Um, and my whole thing was, look, you're going to have all giants and skill positions if you're the Panthers. Yeah. And you get to the red zone, who are you going to, to, to try to defend, really? I mean, you, you got your six, five, or whatever, 260-whatever-pound quarterback, and you got Kelvin Benjamin, who's like, what, six five six six. Yeah. Uh, then you got uh, uh, the young kid, uh, the kid from Michigan, on the other side. You got Olsen at tight end, right? And now you're going to put another six-foot-something, 240-pound back in the backfield with them? I mean, they got right? McCaffrey. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, McCaffrey. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, the, the, the uh, Jaguars. The Jaguars. Yeah, I was thinking about the Jaguars. Yeah, but, but uh, I still actually, like the McCaffrey. I mean, both of those. Well, actually, both of those are real good fit. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, because the Jaguars, the, the one thing you want to do is take the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands <laughs> as much yes. as you can. Yeah, you know, you know, considering the last few years. And actually, when you take a lot off of him, he looks like a much better quarterback. Yeah. It's only when, you know, he's you know on his 40th or 50th throw and, and, and he starts just, you know, looking like a totally different guy. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to take a, a bunch of pressure off of him. I, I, you know, it's weird because they keep trying to address uh, the position the last few years. Uh, uh, they just had a second-round draft pick as a running back there, which people thought was high. But regardless, I mean, Fournette is a special running back. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that's probably a lot more agile than you give him credit for at first glance and really has pretty good vision, I thought, when he wasn't hurt. So, you know, it is a good fit for them. But McCaffrey, see, the thing about the Panthers that you always have to worry about is the offense coordinator. 
uh, Mike yeah, Shula. That's true. The other day, I was thinking of all the things that the Panthers could do with McCaffrey in that offense, right? Um, uh-huh. And basically, you know, most people think, see, you you just kind of like that Wes Welker um, slot receiver type ability, but but you also have that running back ability of his too, mm-hmm. which means if you're already running one of these spread hybrid type offenses, now you get him on the speed sweeps, you get him on the end of rounds from the slot, you, you're able to do so many more things with him, and a lot of times just use him as a decoy to kind of like, you know, if you're running zone front side and you run a, a, a end around fake with, with Christian McCaffrey, well, now the defensive end has to, to decide whether he stays at home for McCaffrey or if he goes and tries to tackle Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. Right? Or if Cam still has the football. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Now, that sounds great in theory, but you still have Mike Shula running the show, so who knows how he's going to handle this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, again, there's just so many ways that McCaffrey could open up that offense, especially underneath. And then you, you end up in a situation where uh, teams have to pay so much attention to trying to guard him and Olsen underneath that you have your big wide receivers, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who evidently is extra big these days, <laughs> seven punches, you know, one-on-one in position to make plays. Now, you know, I, I joke about Kelvin Benjamin, but I really do expect him to bounce back and yeah. have a huge year this year because he'll be two years removed from his knee surgery. I, yeah. I know he might be overweight, but if he's in shape by camp, you know, I expect him to have a huge year. And if Mike Shula can actually be a little bit more creative than he's shown himself to be yeah. in, uh, 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 in uh, integrating McCaffrey into this offense, I think there's you know potential to have uh, Kevin Benjamin to have a humongous year this year. Yeah. Because like I said, you're going to have to pick your poison. If, if, if they got, you know, Olsen and, and, and McCaffrey working the short middle on both sides, you're going to have to pick your poison. Yeah. And then you still have to worry about, uh, 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 you know, stopping the running game and stopping Cam. At some point, you're going to look up and Benjamin and, and uh, Funches are going to be running around with just one-on-one coverage with no safety help, and that's going to be trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what did he have? What was it? He had Mike Rimmers one on one against Von Miller in the Super Bowl. The the my favorite Mike Shula playbook page. Yeah, I mean, you know, why, why would you want to tip that guy? <laughs> He's just you know, not just like an he average had already there. Not like he was good. Nothing like that. <laughs> not like this is the most important play of your season. But you know, <laughs> don't tell your fullback to. Because I'm sure that fullback in the flat is 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 got the potential to just take it to the house. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh I, man. <laughs> um. So okay, we don't like the draft is the big news in the NFL, but there's something else going on, and we don't usually sway into politics a whole lot on this show, for obvious reasons. It's a football show, um, unless that politics or that issue sort of impacts the NFL. You know, I think Kaepernick is a good example. We, we had a really good conversation a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago about Kaepernick and the situation there. And, you know, obviously that's related to the NFL. Well, the healthcare change, whatever the, I, I, the acronym I can't think of, but the, the, the repeal and replace quote unquote with the, uh, the, the, um, the American, the, the ACA, is has a huge effect on the NFL and especially NFL players because it essentially strips away whatever you know little tacit effort they've made in this bill that's in the House that the House is going to vote on today supposedly um, is a uh, it, it essentially strips away whatever you know protection people with pre-existing conditions have. Every player in the NF that plays in the NFL, whether you're hurt in your career or not, you come out with what's considered a pre-existing condition in the eyes of insurance company. Football, as you may have heard, not the safest sport to play. That's okay. We're working on it. We understand that it needs to evolve and change, and it's in the game's doing that. I mean, we, Stephen and I, 
both obviously we're here because we love football quite a lot. But, you know, it's a dangerous game and people get hurt, seriously hurt playing it. There's long-term health impacts that come with that. And the change that the they want to pass now would screw over a lot of uh, former NFL players. The, the thing is, you know, I, I've actually been involved with this with uh, healthcare reform for um, a while now. And, and primarily it's because it's for a self-serving reason. Um, as you said, you know, I, I, I'm as an ex-NFL player, I'm put in a position of, you know, when I have to go and get or had to go get um, insurance, if I was trying to do it on the individual market, you know, there's so many hoops you have to jump through. Mm-hmm. And then even when you get it, you got this, you know, huge premium um, for basic coverage, basically. Um, and, and so I, I've followed this all throughout the debates from, you know, 2007, 2008, and the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, and, and up to now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, for me, the, the thing that never made sense to me was that, like, NFL owners or, or just sports, whole sports owners in general, but definitely NFL owners since that's where I played, um, never seem to be behind um, any kind of universal health care um, reform. Yeah. And these are people who are very wealthy. <laughs> yeah. So you know that they're familiar with health care systems in other countries, other first world countries. And we're the only first world country that doesn't have a universal health care system. Mm-hmm. And really and truly, that would benefit them. I would think just even selfishly, they would look at it and say, okay, this is going to socialize all of America's uh, um, health care. Yeah. So that's going to take some of the burden off of us for some of these former players. Yeah. And so just even if it, from a selfish standpoint, I just always wondered why they wouldn't be for uh, some kind of universal health care or as close as you can get to it um, scheme that lets them off the hook for some of these uh, uh, um, needs of former players. Yeah. Even if just for PR purposes. I mean, there's just no negative to it. And right now, as the system is, they're playing quite a bit of money to former players to make sure they're still covered. And they're also still at the same time getting a black eye because some players still end up, you know, falling through the cracks and not being able to get covered and not having health insurance. And not just health insurance. Let's not forget that, you know, when you talk about insurance, a lot of times that covers um, mental health issues. Yeah. So many former players experience and go through stuff like that and can't get help because they don't have insurance and can't afford it. Yeah. And so it it just never made sense to me why they would even back candidates who wouldn't be pushing for some kind of universal health care. Yeah. But, you know, this this hits even closer to home for me now. Because even though I hadn't said anything publicly about this, um, I was diagnosed with CLL in 2014. CLL is chronic lymphocytic leukemia. If you never heard of it, join the club. It went in 2014. <laughs> you couldn't, you know, I had no idea what it was, but I'm sure you heard the word leukemia yeah. and as such know that it wasn't good. It, it's a form of cancer um, that, uh, to, to put it succinctly, affects your white blood cells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 2017 and I'm still dealing with CLL. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I've got much better treatment now. But I've had the CLL. First of all, CLL is supposed to be a cancer that only affects older people. Mm-hmm. I'm 43 years old. Mm-hmm. I hope I have a lot more life to live. Yeah. Okay. Second of all, it's supposedly easily treatable. Well, I thought it had been in remission twice now, and it came out of remission both times. Now, thankfully, um, I didn't have to go 
and take the drastic measure of having a bone marrow transplant. But what I can tell you is that as recently as the first of this year, I thought that by now I would have already gone through a bone marrow transplant. That's how bad things had gone for me at one point. Yeah. Now, thankfully, I'm being treated by Moffitt at this point. Mm-hmm. And Moffitt put me on a new medication that has had tremendous results. It's a medication that hasn't even been on the, the market for that long. Yeah. Right? So it sounds like everything's looking up for me, right? Why am I complaining? Why Why do, do I even care about this healthcare bill? Well, it affects us all. Yeah. It affects us all. And at some point, you have to take the face paint off. This isn't yeah. about Republicans or Democrats or independents or black or white or anything else. Because let me tell you something. That cancer, if nothing else, will show you. When you're sitting in the back room with a bunch of strangers, or at least they're initially strangers, and you got an IV hooked up to your vein with rituxan dripping in it. Yeah. Ain't nobody back there asking whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Yeah. When it comes time to pay for that rituxan <coughs> or pay for your oncologist, there's no box on there that says whether you're a Democrat or Republican or other. Yeah. They just want to know how they're getting paid. Yeah. So this isn't a partisan issue. This is a human issue. Yeah. Because guess what? My medication without insurance would be over $100,000 a year. Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe me, it's called Ibrutinib. Yeah. I'm so thankful for this medication. I really am because it truly... In my eyes, it was a lifesaver because it, I don't know if anyone knows this, but a bone marrow transplant, 15 to 25% of the people who go through the process don't make it through the process of a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. And that's just the beginning. That's that first month in the hospital yeah. before you have to get all the shots over again and try to rebuild your immune system from the ground up. Yeah. Just, just the process, that initial process, 15 to 25% of people don't make it through that. Yeah. And that's what I was looking at at the beginning of this year. But now I have a different issue because it seems that in this new bill, insurance companies will be able to put caps on how much they'll pay for your coverage. Yeah. So now, what if they tell me, well, we can't pay over $100,000 for your medication? Well, there isn't anything cheaper. There is no generic form of it. You can't, you can't just take it some of the time. Yeah. So for me, this is some real shit. It's a real life issue. But even if I wasn't, it wasn't me. It's somebody that you know. Whether they talk about it or not. Whether they suffer through silence or not. Yeah. It's somebody that you know going through something similar. And this bill does nothing to help anybody. You can go through the bill yourself. I don't care who you are or what you believe, what your political affiliation is, what your political leaning is. Yeah. Go through the bill yourself and tell me who it helps. Yeah. Who this bill helps. The number one complaint I've heard about the Affordable Care Act was that it, quote unquote, wasn't affordable. A lot of these people never actually went in and tried to apply for uh, uh, the subsidies that would help them pay for it. Yeah. So they don't even know that they're paying too much. But let's say your argument is the subsidies, uh, the, 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 the premium is too high. Well, what? first of all, that's an insurance problem. Mm-hmm. That's an insurance company problem. They set the rate. Now, if you want the government to set the rates, we can do that. And we'll all turn out and probably be in a better position anyway. Yeah. It's at least a public option. When you have the option of going through a, a, a Medicare for All or something like that program, yeah. they're going to one of these insurance companies. Yeah. And then they have competition, and then they have uh, uh, motivation to lower their prices. 
But that's an insurance company problem. The government doesn't set rates. If you want the government set, to set rates, we can do that. But last year, y'all was calling it socialism. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. This bill does not even lower premiums. It skyrockets premiums for anybody with a pre-existing condition, and that is most of us, even people that don't even realize. Yeah. Because you have no idea how many things an insurance company is hell-bent on not paying out claims. Yeah. and How many it, things are on the list that they have for pre-existing conditions? Yeah, and it's and it's and it's not even just you know it's 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 people that get their insurance on the individual market. It impacts people that get their insurance through their employers, like you mentioned with the cap on on coverage and, and payouts that can affect you. Whether you, if you have one of those quote unquote Cadillac plans from your employer, it affects you that way too. And there's, I guarantee you, there is somebody in your life. If it's not you. It'll be your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, your aunt, your uncle, a friend, a loved one, somebody, somebody you know is going to be left in the cold because of pre, some a pre-existing condition or some of the other monstrosities in this bill. Because Not the least. The thing of, of it is, is no, I'm saying the thing of it is, is that, you know, even if you have employer-based Healthcare. Are you really going to trust that you're never going to leave that job? Exactly. Whether willingly or unwillingly. Exactly. And as soon as you leave, if you have any lapse in coverage, now they can do start the whole process over, and now they can factor in your pre-existing condition if this bill goes through. But like I said, even if you have employer-sponsored uh, coverage, if this cap goes in, then you still might not be able to afford a cancer medication or, or anything of that nature, where you have a serious medical issue that requires a lot of money to treat. So it's going to affect everybody. Literally, this is going to affect everybody except for the people who get to vote for it. They have exempted themselves. Yeah. And like somebody said on Twitter, never trust a chef that won't taste his own food. Yeah. So, again, this isn't a red or blue issue, uh, Democrat, Republican, uh, right wing, left wing, None of that, because I'm telling you from experience now. When they call you in their office and they tell you how much you owe for your cancer treatment, they're not going to ask you if you're a Democrat or Republican. No. They're going to send that cash check or money order. I yep. hope people wake up now because this is ridiculous. Yep, and like I say, I mean, you know, I, I haven't checked where the vote is as of yet, but pick up the phone. Call your congressperson. Let them know because one way or another, you're going to get screwed out of this if this passes. I mean, it's still. I know it's still got to go through the Senate and everything else, but it's just you know, why let it get that far down the road if it's a if it's a piece of crap to begin with. So, pick up the call if you're a fan. Pick up the phone. Make a call because um, it's important. It's important to all of us. And like Stephen said, this transcends. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter who you voted for last November, doesn't matter which party or which person you voted for, it, it transcends that. It's be it's well beyond that. And if you came here to listen to us talk about football, um, I'm glad, uh, and we thanks for having you. And if you're if you're a person that's going to get pissed off because we spent you know 15 minutes talking about an important issue that affects all of us as football fans and football former football players and everybody else. The unsubscribe button is right below the play button. Feel free to hit it. Um, but it's it's just too important to overlook, and uh, and it's too important to stick to sports all the time. So that's that's all I have to say about that. And with that, Stephen, thank you for sharing because this is an important issue, and I'm glad that we were able the two of us to have an honest discussion and I hope that our listeners can appreciate that and uh, we'll, everyone can uh, walk away from here and do the right thing man that's all we can do is hope because like I said I, I don't even care about political affiliation I definitely don't want anybody to feel sorry for me I've never ever brought this up before and this ain't about me this is about the fact that I am one of many hell you got women who just the the act of having a child because of pre existing condition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that it, is not 
okay. No, I not don't at care all. who you voted for, who you vote for, what you read, where you go to school. I just want you to ask yourself, look in the mirror and say if you really think that's okay. Yeah. And ask yourself who this bill helped. Because as far as I can tell, nobody. Yeah. Except for maybe the people who are exempting themselves from it and are voting for it currently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then for their own political expediency, so they can check a box and say that they did some bogus campaign promise. I mean, just, I mean, I can't. I've been twisting it around my head for the last couple of weeks trying to figure out why in the hell they're bothering to do this. I mean, it's not like it's we're going to, hey, let's let's take this existing law and let's do some things to change it that makes it better. That's not what's happening here. <laughs> it's. It sucks um, all around, but Stephen, uh, yeah, I think I think that was a good ending to the show, and I uh, I hope that uh, folks will be back. We've got a lot more. Uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about in the weeks ahead. Absolutely, look forward to it.